0: Hello, my friends. The podcast you're about to hear I recorded last week, and then I chickened out and didn't post it because I thought, "Mm, do I really want to go there? It's all about the Southern Baptist Convention and its current stance on women. What had happened was the week before last, the Southern Baptist uh, Executive Committee voted to um, have no more fellowship with, I forget how they call it, with um, five or six churches over the issue of, I think one of them was over a sexual abuse particular issue, but then the others were specifically over issues of the roles that women played on staff at those churches. And what you're about to hear is literally just my responding to what was going on. I tend to ramble a bit in this particular podcast, and I apologize for that, but I was talking just right off my head as I was reading the articles online and, um, and just feeling it from the sit- the seat that i sit in I'm sure I'll probably have more to share and more to talk about on this subject. If you have been around for a little while, you know that I did a whole series called The Truth About Women last summer. And, and if this is a subject that is interesting to you, you know, women's roles in the church and what, the, what in the world is Southern Baptist Convention even talking about and why does it have anything to do with me? Um, you can go back and listen to those really great interviews I had with some wonderful Uh, Women Leaders last summer and um, check out the Truth About Women podcast. But for now, you can listen to my just off-the-cuff response to the articles I was reading regarding what the Southern Baptist Convention's Executive Committee did the other week. Now, come this summer when the Southern Baptist Convention actually gathers and meets in New Orleans, um, the convention at large could very well undo what the Executive Committee did. Um, They may not. It, things may may move on and but i think i make very clear in this podcast that no matter which way the conventions go we continue to follow hard after the lord so um anyway that's what this is i to put it in the terms that my daughter uses i got my guts up and i decided to go ahead and post this podcast this week anyway so enjoy <music> Hello, friends. I'm sitting at my home in um, Franklin, Tennessee. Had to think for a minute where my home was. And the weather is absolutely perfect. It's February 28th. Our grass has already turned green. The birds are chirping. They know that spring is on its way. Now, that doesn't mean that we might not have more snow in our future or, um, you know, March or even April. It could happen. It would not be unusual. But for today, I'm gonna soak in this sunshine. And today, I'm also taking privilege, um, really ringing true as to why I changed the name of this podcast from the Prayer Clinic Podcast to the Leanne McCoy Podcast, because today I'm going to reflect on some of my thoughts regarding what the Southern Baptist Convention has done and our executive committee has done in just this past week. I'm going to be um, reading from some news articles and giving a running commentary of just my thoughts and um, concerns regarding the direction of the Southern Baptist Convention. I've been a part of this convention since I guess before I was ever born, but that doesn't mean that I'll be a part of it until the day I die. I'm first and primarily a citizen of the kingdom of God. And I just want to go in my life as um, closely linked to whatever his purpose and his plans are, which are actually in transition right now in my life. So it's a good time for me to do some of this reflecting and some of this rambling and some of this sharing with you. So I hope you'll listen. This is a little different than some of my other podcasts, but um, it's significant and it's important to to us. And it's important to all of us to be um, prayerfully aware of what's going on in our world and how we ought to posture ourselves in it as we live wisely in these days. So I um, am looking forward to this conversation with you. I'm gonna begin this conversation by reading from an article called Southern Baptist Oust Saddleback Church Over Woman Pastor, written by Peter Smith on February published on February twenty second, two thousand twenty three. Not gonna read the whole article, but I'm gonna read lots of parts of it. Begins with the Southern Baptist Convention on Tuesday ousted its second largest congregation, Saddleback Church, the renowned California megachurch, founded by pastor and best selling author Rick Warren listen why, for having a woman pastor. The vote by the convention's executive committee culminates growing tension between the nation's largest Protestant denomination, which officially opposes women as pastors, and a congregation whose story has been one of the biggest church growth successes of modern times. The committee cited Saddleback's having a female teaching pastor functioning in the office of pastor, an allusion to Stacy Wood, wife of the current lead pastor of Saddleback, Andy Wood. But the controversy began in 2021 when Warren ordained three women as pastors prompting discussions within the denomination about possibly expelling the mega church. Warren retired last year after more than 42 years at Saddleback. He made an emotional speech in June 2022 at the Southern Baptist Annual Convention in Anaheim, standing by his ordination of women. He told delegates who debated the issue, we have to decide if we will treat each other as allies or adversaries. But the Executive Committee took the vote Tuesday without public discussion after meeting in Executive Session. It voted to approve a recommendation from the Denomination's Credentials Committee that Saddleback be deemed not in friendly cooperation with the convention, the terminology used for ousting a church. While Southern Baptist statement of faith officially opposes women as pastors, each congregation is self-governing, so the main enforcement mechanism is to oust it from membership. The executive committee's motion said that Saddleback has a faith and practice that does not closely identify with the convention's adopted statement of faith as demonstrated by the church having a female teaching pastor functioning in the office of pastor. In a statement late Tuesday, the church didn't indicate whether it planned to exercise its right to appeal the decision at the Southern Baptist Next Annual Meeting scheduled for New Orleans in June. This this is the statement from Saddleback. We love and have always valued our relationship with the SBC and its faithful churches. We will engage and respond through the proper channels at the appropriate time in hopes to serve other like-minded Bible-believing SBC churches. Meanwhile, we remain focused on following God's leadership to love and serve our church family and the communities around our campuses. Um... This article goes on to talk a little bit more about Saddleback, but I also don't want you to miss what um, Wood Andy Wood said about his wife, the teaching pastor. It says here, Wood told the Associated Press last year that the Bible teaches that men and women were given spiritual gifts by God his wife has served as teaching pastor for saddleback the church this is wood again the church should be a place where both men and women can exercise those spiritual gifts. My wife has the spiritual gift of teaching, and she is really good. People often tell me she's better than me when it comes to preaching, and I'm really glad to hear that The executive committee also voted. the article goes on to say to oust five other congregations, four, four, of the five over the issue of women as pastors and one over the issue of sexual abuse. And their statement is that the Baptist Faith and Message in 2000, this is our official statement of belief, they added this clause, while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. So the five churches ousted for having women as pastors have been valued cooperating churches for many years, and this decision was not made lightly, says the committee chairman, Jared Wellman. However, we remain committed to upholding the theological convictions of the SBC and maintaining unity among its cooperating churches. So, um, the other churches, it mentions them down here. Um, They ousted New Faith Mission Ministry of Griffin, Georgia, and St. Timothy's Christian Baptist in Baltimore, citing their lack of intent to cooperate in resolving a question arising from the churches having women senior pastors. It also ousted Fern Creek Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and Calvary Baptist Church in Jackson, Mississippi, both for having female lead pastors, indicating they have a faith and practice at odds with the conventions. Interesting. Interesting. So all of these churches I would like to track down these women senior pastors and just get, you know, find out what their thoughts are in in relationship to this and and um you know why they were Southern Baptist churches and how they feel now having been ousted by the very convention that they have participated in and served and I want to add just that most for the most part being a part of the Southern Baptist Convention is um a willingness to cooperate in our ministry and missions efforts by giving a percentage of our tithes and offerings to the convention to carry out some of our cooperative um, ministries, such as uh, supporting the a very, very large mission force all around the world and um, contributing to, to many other things that are a part of the um, advancement of the kingdom. It does seem like as churches have grown larger and as um, the opportunities to do things have become more streamlined where anybody can just about do anything now that we've got the internet, that um, conventions are not what they used to be. They don't serve the same purpose that they used to serve. However, let's not talk about um, the pros and cons of denominations and denominational work. Instead, let's zero in on this issue of women being at the on the hot seat, um, just last year, if you remember, Beth Moore, who had been a Southern Baptist woman, um, very much an outstanding teacher and the writer of many Bible studies, and really probably a key in the rise of women's ministries all across the United States and even the world. And um, I don't know, I didn't look up to find the the data about it, but I would imagine that um, the... the um, production of and the sales of women's ministry Bible studies has um, just increased greatly in the years that I've been in ministry. I graduated from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary with a master's degree in religious education in 1988. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I do believe Beth Moore's first Bible study was published um, soon thereafter. In fact, I, was, I had taken a group of our people at our very small church to Ridgecrest, North Carolina, where I got to be in an a afternoon class with Beth Moore when she was teaching um, her original study, her very first study that was published by LifeWay. I remember getting to meet her way back then <laughs> at the very beginning. I have to be honest and say i I didn't. I was kind of bashful about meeting her because I had a a newborn with me, and he was only probably eight weeks old, and I was so tired at night having to still get up and feed him and trying to take our leaders to this conference that her her session was in the afternoon, and many a day I kind of dozed off while she was speaking, and they're only about 15 of us in the room, and so it was extremely embarrassing to me, but it certainly wasn't because she was in any way dull. Uh, Beth Moore's a dynamic uh, teacher. Right now, in my own quiet time, I'm reading Priscilla Shira, who's another dynamic woman teacher, speaker, preacher, whatever you want to call her. They're exercising their God-given gifts in the kingdom, and for many, many years, Southern Baptists have not only given them platform, but they've also benefited from from um the the good that has been created and they're allowing their creative energies and um, work to flow through the convention arms um i i had not ever really studied any of this as far as what the baptist faith and message said and how it was adapted and that kind of thing i've not been somebody who has chosen to spend any of my ministry time sitting in committee rooms and making these kind of decisions. Not that that's not important. I totally believe it is. But it's just not been the path that that I have chosen. However, just to give you a little background on me and why I have an opinion right now, I was... um, Born, uh, I've mentioned before, uh, probably listed on the cradle roll before I was ever born and um, taken to Baptist churches all my life. So I I came into the Southern Baptist world through heritage, through my own family heritage. And then I went to a, a Southern Baptist college. Sa- Sanford University was affiliated with the Alabama Baptist Convention when I went there, graduated with my degree in 19... 19- 85. And then I went straight from Sanford University to Southwestern Seminary. I remember having conversations with my father during that season of my life, trying to follow hard after God's call and telling him that what I really loved doing was public speaking and, and writing. And I didn't understand how that was going to fit in the church world and how God was going to use that because of that not really being um, a place where women served a whole lot. And my dad just encouraged me to continue trusting God that if he had given me gifts, he was going to find ways for those gifts to be used and not to let the rules that were being um, dictated around me, stifle me from just following God's plan for my life. And so when I went to Southwestern in Fort Worth, Texas, I started out in the masters of divinity program, which is the master's level degree that most preachers, um, get. And it's just a Bible centric degree, a lot of theology. You have to take Hebrew and Greek and, um, more of a uh, dig into the word and be very much educated in, in that kind of thing. And then the religious education track was more the degree program for all of the people who wanted to serve in the church and the ministry and not serve as a senior pastor or in the role of being a teacher. And once I got to seminary, i I um took I had to take classes from both schools, the School of Education and the School of Divinity and I did decide to change my track <clears throat> for two reasons: one was that I enjoyed the classes that were being offered in the education school. They were very very practical and that seemed um smart to me and the other reason was because I uh didn't want to take Greek and Hebrew. <laughs> the languages were a hindrance to me. <clears throat> But more than that, it was because I I could not see how getting my degree from the School of Divinity would really prepare me to be marketable once I got out of seminary. Because again, those degrees were primarily for those men that would hold the office of pastor. And I knew that in the Southern Baptist denomination that women did not hold the office of pastor. I also was becoming aware as I was going through seminary that women that had uh, gifts of teaching were finding ways to exercise and use their gifts. And back in the late in the eighties, there was um, great opportunity for women to develop their leadership skills in tracks such as the Women's Missionary Union organization, which is our women's um, support for our missionary enterprise. And the Women's Missionary Union worked in cooperation with the Southern Baptist Convention. To help raise awareness, engagement, and involvement and money for for missions, in fact, our two missions offerings for the Southern Baptist Convention are named after two women that served on the mission field, both of them in teaching positions. <laughs> Annie Armstrong for our our what we call our home missions offering or our our um, North American mission board offering, and then Lottie Moon, who served in China that we've named our international missions offering after, with Lottie Moon being collected, that offering being collected at Christmas time and Annie's offering being collected at Easter. And so it it felt in the eighties it felt like women had a role, they had a place, they had a, a way to serve. Um, it just wasn't in the in the office of a senior pastor. I never aspired to be a senior pastor. I just aspired to get to find ways to use the way that I had been gifted in order to um step into whatever plan the Lord had for me in my life. And I certainly wasn't gonna let um anything uh hinder that, not even, you know, the do's and don'ts or the rights and wrongs dictated by you know denominational guidelines. However, in the 1980s, there weren't all those. We didn't even have our updated Baptist Faith and Message in the 80s. That didn't come until the year 2000. So, um, that's background. Let me share then um, my thoughts regarding these churches being ousted because of women being in roles of um, of pastor. Now, a couple of those churches these women were in roles of senior pastor. I believe I've I've heard tell that in one of those churches, um the, the it was actually the pastor's wife who stepped into the role of the senior pastor when her husband died, and if I'm not mistaken he died in 2020. I don't know what he died of. It could have been COVID. And so perhaps she stepped into that role because there was no one else and the church might have had to shut its door like so many churches have had to had she not stepped into that role. And I'm not sure about the others. I am going to do a little digging and try to find out their story and see what's going on. But I would be hard-pressed to think that any of these women were uh, bullying men out of the job or doing it because they just are hungry for a position. I would venture to say that most likely they were in these roles because Um, it was necessary, and they were equipped and gifted to um, fulfill them. And so um, I do know that the Baptist Faith and Message says that women can serve anywhere in the church except for in the office of the pastor. And so that has come down to meaning um, like the office of the pastor. I think that's one thing that we have to think about. What exactly does that mean? I know that the way it's interpreted... um, at our church is that the office of the pastor is the office of the senior or the lead pastor. And that being the guy, you know, the guy that's in charge, he just so happens to be my husband has been that guy for 34 years. And, um, he is the one who primarily fills the pulpit on Sunday mornings. And he's the one who, uh, you know, he's the buck stops here kind of guy. Everybody else serves and has freedom to serve with, um, really all the freedom that the Lord has given them when they come gifted and ready to fulfill their roles and rare rarely ever does my husband ever step in to tell the youth pastor what he should or shouldn't do or to tell the children's pastor what she shouldn't or shouldn't do and um so every one of them are are doing their roles under the office of the pastor of the lead pastor he's the guy who's leading But then all the others are leading their area of ministry and the way that ministry functions and works together is when everyone um understands where they are in the flow chart and who they answer to and um and what the extent and the limitations of their authority happens to be and in a healthy church where that is very well defined people operate inside the boundaries in the lane that they've been given to operate in and there's trust for everyone to trust each other to do their very best and lead in their best way and then of course everyone together agrees as a part of being a part of this church to follow the vision of the church which is in our case um, really channeled through the office of the pastor the lead pastor the guy who's in charge Well it's gotten to the point now though in Southern Baptist life that it's more than women not women now are not are being said that they cannot be called a pastor. So you could have on staff a youth pastor who might be a man, and then you could have a children's pastor minister or director and the only reason she's called director or minister is simply because she's a woman not because her job is any different than the job of the youth pastor um i have served at our church for several years as the next gen leader um i'll let you decide whether we called it pastor minister or director (laughs) But I led our next gen team. And during that time, I am here to tell you that there was absolutely no difference in the job descriptions between how the leader led the preschool area and the children's area and the youth area. There were only differences in what um, word was used after preschool, children, or youth. And that we have, um, we no longer worry about those words anymore. Everyone who serves and is called by the Lord and has been given leadership over a particular area of ministry um leads out of that place and we're all called the same thing and I personally feel like that this um seeming um, undue attention to to the to the um Extent and limitation of of women <laughs> needs to needs to be pulled back. Uh, for goodness sakes, where would we as Southern Baptists be without the um, influence, the leadership, and yes, even the teaching of dynamic women that God has gifted in the kingdom? Because what happened at Saddleback Church is not that that this woman ha- was fulfilling the office of the pastor. Her husband was fulfilling that role. She was merely being called on and able to exercise as a teaching pastor. And I want to read, I want to read for you here another, Los Angeles Times, which I don't think is a Christian organization, and they've reported an article about, specifically about what was going on at, at Saddleback. And the title of their article is, A Very Dangerous Course, what Saddleback Church ouster means for Southern Baptist, and it has this great big picture of this beautiful couple, Pastor Andy and his wife Stacy, outside Saddleback Church in Lake Forest. Now, if she were in the office of Pastor, they would have titled this picture Pastors andy and and Stacy. Wood. But instead, it says Pastor Andy Wood and his wife, Stacy outside Saddleback Church in Lake Forest. She was recently named a teaching pastor, and oh, lo and behold, three other women have been ordained as associate pastors. Oh, my goodness. Now, this article was written by Deborah Netburn on February 26, 2023. Last week, the Southern Baptist Convention ousted Saddleback Church, one of its largest and highest profile member churches from its ranks. The reason? Because after the Orange County Megachurch ordained three women as associate pastors, it named Stacy Wood, wife of the church's senior pastor Andy Wood, a teaching pastor. The SBC added a ban on female pastors to its statement of core beliefs, the the Baptist Faith and Message Doctrine, in 2000. But the decision to remove Saddleback, a rare success story in a time of declining church membership, has not been met with uniform enthusiasm among SBC's roughly 47,000 member churches. I'm going to stop right here and just say that the way I just described what we do at our church is what's going on at Saddleback. These women have been ordained. They've been And what is ordination? Ordination is being set aside for ministry, leadership. It is and the way I've always seen ordination happen, and I've only seen ordination happen for men, not women in my my personal experience. But the way I've seen ordination happen is I've seen um the the person being ordained sitting before a group of people and I've never been in that group of people it's always been men I, and those men ask this young man different questions in order to evaluate you know his understanding the what wisdom he has what um what his motivations might be and that's called the ordination council and then once he goes through that process of answering those questions, that same group of people then um, acknowledge him. They they endorse him, and they present him before this person's friends and church family members. And they say, we're presenting him for ordination. And so then this man is presented before these people and all of his friends and family members take turns coming up to him. And we always have invited his wife to sit with him and put their hands on his head and just pray a prayer of blessing over him. It's it's really a beautiful thing, but um why... Well this is purely my opinion why only men i and it is it, in scripture I, I totally love how scripture says that men lead. And I and I think that the world functions best when men lead. If y'all haven't listened already to my um, reflections on my husband's message that had the word submission in it, then go back and listen to that. It's totally biblical that men lead in our world today. And I love that um, we ordain men into their roles of leadership. However, I believe that the leader in a local church, the, the leader, like the principal of the school, you know, the buck stops here guy is that office of the senior pastor. And, um, Beyond that office, there are so many different ways and different places that people serve, especially as our churches have grown extremely large. And Saddleback is what we call a mega church, a very, very large church that has all kinds of people serving at all levels of leadership According to their giftedness, and haven't women been gifted with leadership, and haven't women been gifted with the ability to speak on a platform and to teach others and don't we live in a culture today that the that there is no hindrance to that that men can learn from women and are eager to do so, and that women can learn from men from men obviously and and from women this is the the um, and so the, what has happened at Saddleback is that the other offices, besides the office of the pastor, the senior pastor, in these other places, women have been chosen to serve in various ways, most likely, like what I described in our next gen team, their jobs are exactly what the job of the man is, and what Saddleback had decided to do is to um, lay hands on these women, endorse them, bless them, and release them into ministry. It's truly a beautiful thing if they've got the role and the job and the giftedness and the calling for them to be blessed by their church family and endorsed by them. And so... um, Anyway, that's what's happened in to Saddleback Church and, and our conventions credentials committee and then voted by the executive committee. And the executive committee is a group of 84 or 86, can't remember how many, people that meet together all throughout the year. They meet maybe once a month. I don't know how often they get together, maybe once a quarter, to carry on the work of the convention in between conventions. Now, we're going to have a convention in New Orleans, in June, where all the people come from all the different churches, and not that many people come considering we have 47,000 churches, not even one person from every church comes, but a a, a group of people bigger than the 80-some-odd that serve on the executive committee come together, and there we discuss, and we work through, and we decide If, um, you know, what direction we're going and how we're going and how we're going to do things. And so resolutions are made and, and that's when the convention actually meets the rest of the time the credentials committee is, is carrying on and the executive committee is carrying on the work. Now I want, I'm, I'm going to use my platform to say in this podcast that I disagree with what the credentials committee is doing. There are so many things that I disagree with. One is that they, they've actually set up. Now, this is as a knee jerk reaction to the sexual abuse scandal, which that is a, a horrible thing in its, in its own right. And I, it would take a whole other podcast to discuss that, even though another friend of mine and I had given just our rambling thoughts regarding it last summer. But um, I think that this portal has been created mostly for that, for reporting sexual abuse. But it's also the tattletale tank, you know. It's the place where anybody can report any church for anything that they think um, does not measure up to being Southern Baptist. And so it seems like what's going on, and I'm not on Twitter very much. I mean, I share my podcast and my blog post on Twitter just to get it out there. But I don't hang around out there on Twitter because I got too much life to be lived to be twitting all the time. But I, I do believe that what's beginning to happen now is there are people that do have the time and the energy and the passion to go after churches that they feel like are not measuring up. And right now it seems like they've honed in on keeping women in a place that um, that's being more narrowly defined than the way that I've defined it just now. And so to the point that Beth Moore, who really was a great and still is a great Bible teacher, pulled her own self out and she left the Southern Baptist Convention because of the pressure that she had, because she dared to step on a stage and and exercise the gift and the calling God had on her life and she wasn't trying to be a pastor at all. She wasn't trying to be in the office of the pastor. And so what I'm saying is the definition is now being defined, not that you have to actually hold that office of um, leadership, but that you might even dare to get in front of people and teach. Because now evidently, if you teach publicly, that is a gift that you should only use in the office of the pastor. And where would we be if women were not teaching in our churches? So anyway, on to this, back to this article. Um, Dwight McKissick, senior pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Arlington, Texas, shared his displeasure on Twitter, and he did write that the decision to disfellowship Saddleback was not about scripture or adherence to the Baptist faith, the message. This is what he said. It's driven by power, male supremacy, and it stinks in the nostrils of God, he wrote. You know what I say? I say, amen, Pastor Dwight. Adam Greenway, who served as the president of my alma mater, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, from February 2019 to September 2022, was one of many who argued that the decision sets a bad precedent. There seems to be a sentiment in today's SBC that wants to purify the convention and sees, quote, women pastors, unquote, as a huge threat to biblical authority and a slippery slope toward liberalism and drift. A few years ago, it was Calvinism. Perhaps it will be something else later on. The Southern Baptist Convention was founded in 1845, conceived as an organization of individual churches with a set of shared beliefs that pool some of their resources, but which are ultimately autonomous. Now, some Southern Baptist sphere, an ultra-conservative ideological wing of the organization, is imposing its own beliefs and values on other churches. Um, Let me just say that I have, through the years at our church, which we started, my husband and I came here as, um, I guess kind of like church planners. We had eight people. So we had a tiny bit of our field had been plowed eight. Well, we actually had eight people, a building we were meeting in and five acres on our future land that we now have built millions of dollars of buildings on. And, um, at that time that we started our church, um, There wasn't anybody caring if I were to ever teach or not teach or what I did. Now, I didn't. I didn't get in the pulpit and teach, but I did do just about everything else there was to do that you now would call people pastors that do that. It just doesn't matter what you're called. (laughs) And um, I was thrilled to get to be a part of a work that was um, supported by and um, and blessed by the Southern Baptist Convention. In fact, our church would not even be who she is today if it weren't for the money and the people and the cooperation that went on as being Southern Baptist. That's what we were, and that's what we were about. Um, today, what breaks my heart is that this same convention is saying to a person like me and my friend's. I don't know how many people, all five of you that are listening to my podcast, (laughs) I'm I'm not a Priscilla Shower and I'm not a Beth Moore and I don't have that kind of following. I have written books and traveled and spoken and done all of the things, but I am probably one of thousands of women in our convention who've been gifted by the Lord with uh, um, with the giftedness of leadership and teaching. And fortunately, just as my dad told me that there would be, there has been a place for me in this convention, in this world to serve in my church and beyond my church because God has always opened that door. But what's happening now is I feel like that door is shutting at a time when it needs to be opening even more because the young women that are growing up and growing into roles of ministry, they need to be applauded and we need to give them opportunity for their voices to be heard because they've got great things to be said and the Lord has gifted them and he's using their mouthpieces. Might I also add that the original most powerful message God could ever want to give us besides the message delivered by the angels when Jesus was born, besides that message, the most powerful message God ever could have wanted us to hear was He is not dead. He has risen just as he said he would. And who did God give that message to in order to come out of their mouths so that other people would hear? He gave it to the women who got up early and went to the tomb and found it empty. And to those women, the angel said, go and tell the men, go tell the men. What I have done, what has happened here? Go tell the men that he that I am he, I am risen from the dead. And they went back to the disciples, and these women told the men. And now, the Southern Baptist Convention that's been around since all of nineteen forty whatever, or eighteen forty whatever, wants to tell women that they can't speak, they can't be. Um, blessed as a teaching pastor under the authority of the senior pastor of their church or in the absence of their own husband who might have died they can't fill in the spot so that the church doesn't have to close its doors is that who we are is that who we want to be i i just go back with pastor dwight and say i think it we're a stench is that what he said It stinks in the nostrils of God. I agree, Pastor Dwight. All right, and then then here's this guy. I don't know Benjamin Cole, but it says he's a former Southern Baptist pastor in Texas. He's been attending the um, conventions for years. I don't know what he does now, but listen to what he said. I love what he said. He said, what's happening now seems to me to be a great divorce from Baptist history and heritage. Um, he blogs under the blogger, Baptist blogger. I might have to get onto Twitter and read some of him. No, I guess I can watch his blog. Anyway, we may not only be losing Saddleback Church and Rick Warren, we may be losing our identity. Cole, an opinionated and self-described Baptist geek, Spoke to the Times, remember the Los Angeles Times, about the origins of the tension between Saddleback and the SBC, why female pastors are not accepted in most Southern Baptist churches, and why he hopes Saddleback will appeal the decision. Southern Baptists have always been more concerned about distributing life jackets to people who are drowning than straight jackets, he said. And what the convention is now being forced to answer is whether or not we will pass out straight jackets to our churches rather than life jackets to the communities around us in need of hope. I love that scenario. And my friends, I think that every one of us are going to have to ask ourselves, are we more interested in straight jackets or life jackets? Me and my house, we're going to pass out life jackets and not give one iota over what anybody thinks. About us putting our yes on the table. And following hard. After the Lord. Um, It goes on to talk about. Uh, here's a good question. So having any kind of female pastors. Completely against the rules of the SBC. Alright. The confessional statement. The Baptist faith the message says. The office of pastors limited to men. Is qualified by scripture. But we seem to only be interested. In that it's men. Scriptural file. Blah, blah, blah. qualifications also say pastors must be apt to teach they must be the husband of one wife they must not be they must be not given to wine. It's all in the Bible in first Timothy chapter three. It also says that an overseer a pastor is to be faithful to his wife, and it goes on. It says that they have to be temperate um and he, uh, this is this is this guy Cole saying that you can just scroll through Twitter and that's all you have to do and find a number of intemperate pastors. How many we have as Southern Baptists? And he just goes on to say we're just on a dangerous course right now. The SBC used to allow women as pastors in two thousand until two thousand. What changed then? The Southern Baptists have never had any significant number of churches that have been pastored by women. There have been occasions throughout history where it happened. It really became an issue in the 1980s. Um, there were some churches that had hired or elected females as their senior pastor. Those churches were removed from their local associations, and so it never came to a vote in the National Convention. Um, and it just goes on that this is uh obviously an issue that Southern Baptists seem to feel strongly about. I'm gonna I'm gonna really just bring this to a close, my my rambling and my carrying on by saying this. I I, I mentioned before that I've been Southern Baptist all my life. My own church is who she is today because of the support that Southern Baptist um cooperative efforts and monies gave to her when we were young, my own career. I've served on staff with my husband at my Southern Baptist church many years, uh, many years volunteer, many years paid. I have also served my state Baptist convention for several years um, full-time and then for many years as either a contract uh, person or a contributor to the work that they were doing. And I love uh, the people who work for our convention and I love uh, the work that conventions do all over our country. I've served many conventions in our country as um, speakers at their retreats, um, sometimes uh, think tank leaders, all kinds of things. I have also served our publishing boards, our Women's Missionary Union Publishing Board, our Lifeway Christian Resources. I have been much published in both of those places. I've been a ministry multiplier at Lifeway as a part of the teaching team for women's ministry. I have served our convention in so many ways. I love the Southern Baptist. I love Southern Baptist Convention. But this is ridiculous. Women, if women are being told to sit down and be quiet, I have to say that in this day and age, it's time for us to, as kindly and Um, tenderly and gently as we possibly can say that you're going to have to sort it out in your world with your convictions and what you're doing. But as for me and my calling, I'm going to have to serve the Lord. I'm not going to choose necessarily to say no to the Southern Baptist Convention, but if the Southern Baptist Convention says no to me, then I'm Gonna do what I did when I was getting ready to go to seminary, and that's to just trust that the Lord's gonna make the path for my life to matter in His kingdom work in the ways that He's gifted me to do so. I almost wonder, <clears throat> excuse me, what might happen? <clears throat> I'll tell you what happens when you talk too long, your voice closes up. But I also wonder what might happen if other women like me would be vocal, would be, um, uh, brave and would share how you're feeling about this as well and there you have it that's all I've got to say about this issue well I actually said that might be all I have to say about the subject and to be quite honest it may not be all I have to say about the subject but it's plenty for today <laughs> So, thank you so much for listening to the Leanne McCoy Podcast. I encourage you, especially if you're a woman in ministry, to um, spend some time praying about this issue and let's unite our voices and together uh, give us some healthy pushback to our brethren and sister in um, the family called southern baptist but let's for sure not get distracted by um things that don't matter nearly so much as the ministry of the gospel sharing the good news of jesus christ and um, being his hands and feet as we love people in our communities, and in our churches today. So, my sweet friend, you go fulfill the calling God has put on your life. Be filled with His Spirit and um, overflowing with love and joy. Until next time, this is Leanne McCoy on the Leanne McCoy Podcast.